Welcome to the Amy Rushworth Show. I'm your host, Amy. I'm so glad you're here. I'm an empowerment and sexual wellness coach, breathwork teacher, podcaster, course creator, badass bitch, and a globally recognized thought leader on empowerment. And I'm here to help you if you're ready to fuck off the rules and create a life of unashamed, unapologetic pleasure and deep, deep confidence. I have a burning passion for the taboo and naughty areas of womanhood that we're not supposed to talk about, such as sexual wellness, bold self-expression, defying social expectations, and so much more. The topics that we're typically taught to shut up about or be ashamed of are the conversations I live for, and those are the kind of juicy, soulful chats that are going down on this show. My intention is for you to step into your most outrageously free, unapologetically expressed version of you. So if that sounds like a vibe, let's fucking go. Are you ready? Today, I'm chatting all things love, relationships, breakup, recovery, you name it, with the incredible Persia Lawson. Persia is an author, speaker, and a millennial dating expert, and she is known as one of the UK's most successful love coaches. She's helped thousands of women, including some very well-known people, in radically transforming all areas of their love lives. Persia is a refreshingly honest and amazing expert and whether you're single, in a relationship or healing from a broken heart, you're really going to love this. So let's dive right in. Hey gorgeous, how are you? I'm good, how are you? So good, thank you so much for coming on today, really appreciate it. Absolute pleasure. Amazing, so let's dive right in. So for those who don't know you, can you give us a quick snapshot of who you are? Sure. I am Persia Lawson. I am an author, speaker, and a love coach, and I help women heal their love life so they can attract a healthy, soulful, lasting relationship in the chaos of the modern dating world. That's my little short blurb. (laughs) Memorize now. Amazing. That was actually very, very, uh, that was a great elevator pitch. (laughs) Yes, it took me so long to cut down from about 5,000 paragraphs to like, okay, say it in a sentence. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Well, it was great. So um, what made you want to become an expert in love and relationships? Like, what has your journey been? And why is this your mission? Well, because Amy, if I'm completely honest with you, I am like the least likely person ever to have become a love coach because I was a nightmare in relationships for most, well, for a lot of my life. Um, And the reason for that is I grew up, my parents were drug addicts, um, had quite severe addiction. And so my way of dealing with that was kind of, well, boys, really, it was a, it was a great distraction from a very young age. I just remember, you know, as early as kindergarten, really just, you know, playing kiss chase and silly things like that. And then, you know, from sort of nine, 10, I was kissing boys and doing more than I probably should have been. And then teenage years hit and it just kind of escalated. Interestingly, it was when my parents got sober when I was 16, which was an absolute, absolute sort of surprise and miracle. They both went into rehab, um, kind of, at different times, several times. Um, and then I went into sick form and I suddenly had this sort of ideal family life and I was so not used to it. And I always say to my clients, you know, as humans, we're, we're programmed to be drawn towards and attracted to what is familiar. 
um, even if what's familiar is complete shit, it's the whole thing of better the devil, you know. And so because I wasn't getting that drama and chaos from home like I was used to, I went outside the family unit and I, you know, really ramped up all the dysfunctional, toxic behavior in relationships. I was cheating on all my boyfriends. When I went, by the time I got to university, I was, and I, you know, it's a really hard thing to say this, especially as I work with women now, but I got to a point where I would sort of steal um, boyfriends off, not girls I was friends with, but girls I knew from university. Um, I had such a low opinion of myself, uh, even though on the outside, uh, I looked really confident. So, you know, you would never have guessed that I really hated myself. I really didn't know who I was. And so men were always that my drug of choice. They were my validation. They were my escape. And this just got more and more kind of intense through my early 20s. I uh, trained as an actress and then I came out of drama school and that was, you know, hard enough in itself being, you know, having been kind of an A-star student and overachiever. And so, you know, that was the one thing I had is like my, my life could be a bit crazy, but I always had sort of the fact that I was doing well at school or at uni. Um, and then I came out of drama school and I wasn't getting many acting jobs. And the ones that I did, I was just getting with the lead men, you know, regardless of the fact I had a boyfriend. Um, and yeah, the, the guys that I was attracted to were increasingly more volatile, um, drug addicts, drug dealers. And then basically it all came to a head in 2010. That really was the year for me. It was, it was just, you know, on the one hand, on the outside, it, it would have looked like I was really quite relatively successful. I was flying around the world. I had a very active social life. But the reality was, you know, my, my self-destructive tendencies really had ramped up by this point. Um, I actually ended up working in a strip club two weeks after gaining my master's in European classical acting. And I, I wasn't stripping, I was hostessing. Um, but I ended up, I went, I worked in two. The first one was in Mayfair in London, which was, um, you know, look, a strip club's a strip club, but on, it was on the nice spectrum. Then I ended up working in one in Soho, which was properly grotty and horrible and grimy. And I, I only actually worked in there one night because I had a really awful incident where I was sexually assaulted but you know it's only it's only really in the kind of last few years that I've really openly admitted that because I think I felt so ashamed and I thought well I put myself in that situation so I can't really tell anyone or ask for help because then I have to admit where I was and what I was doing which was a hell of a lot of drugs and all sorts of dark things in that place anyway and following on from that, I actually ended up putting on two stone in two months when I was on an acting job in China. It was my saving grace because everything else I could hide from my family, the men, the drugs, all of that I could hide. But this, the weight gain, the rapid weight gain, I couldn't. So when my parents picked me up from the airport after uh, China, they, uh, my dad said, how would you like to come to a, um, a yoga retreat in Thailand? And because I was a skin actress, I was like, yep, sign me up, you know, free holiday, sure. <laughs> And it was while while we were there, he said some advice that completely, completely changed my life. And I think the reason is he possibly said it before, but I was not in a place to hear it. And when I was in Thailand, there was no booze. There was no, you know, I was doing yoga every day, meditating, reading self-help books. And I'm the sort of person, Amy, that if I commit to something, I am all in. And so I you was probably just, have the same personality type as me. Yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so I was really, you know, I was like, right, project fix me and, you know, become the healthiest version of myself in Thailand. And I remember one morning, my dad obviously had seen the change in me 
But I think before he tried to say something and I just would shut him down and I wouldn't hear it and I would deflect. But when I was in Thailand, because I'd calmed down and I was, you know, going slower and looking after myself, I was able to hear it. And he said, Persia, I just want to say one thing to you that completely changed the trajectory of my life. If you focus on the insides, the outsides will take care of themselves. And oh my God, it just, it, it, it like hit me like a lightning bolt. And like even saying it now makes me really emotional because that one sentence completely changed my life. And I came back uh, from Thailand. I, you know, carried on this journey of self-development and looking at myself. I was very new to it. And so, and this is what I often see with um, women who kind of start on this path. You know, they will then, at some point, you will be given a challenge and a test to go deeper. And so, of course, that for me, that challenge and test came in the form of a boy who I'd known for quite a long time, not that well, but I'd known him for a long time. And he was actually an addict who was fresh out of rehab. So for me, even that was progress because it was, well, this guy's at least you know, um, he's taking, he's aware of his stuff and he's taking action to be better, but definitely both of us were not really ready to have a relationship. Um, but of course we went headfirst into it. Um, and eventually he ended up cheating on me and it was the most painful, horrific thing I found out because I was, you know, stalking on his computer, which, you know, was something I, another thing I used to do, something I see a lot of women do. Um, and, and actually the reason it was so painful, it wasn't just because obviously I felt betrayed, but it was realizing, God, I have done this to so many people in the past. And I just didn't, I just valued myself so little that I, I don't know. I just thought I just was numb to thinking it would actually hurt them. So anyway, eventually that relationship broke up and I was in absolute utter heartache, but because I had enough tools, I'd done enough work on myself. I, uh, I, I carried on sort of, I, I kind of, if anything, I dove even more into self-development, spirituality, all that sort of thing. And my friend and I actually started a blog and it was called Addictive Daughter. It was a positive lifestyle movement to help women who, who were going through what we were, which was a quarter life crisis. It was, we were just really honest about everything we were going through. And we trained as life coaches. We got a lot of press um, because at the time it came out in 2012 and, you know, people were doing yoga and stuff, but no one at that point was really talking about their feelings and, and depression and anxiety on social media or definitely not like heartbreak and relationship stuff. So we ended up getting a book deal. Um, which then became the inner fix. And the message of the inner fix was focus on the insides and the outsides will take care of themselves, which was my dad, what my dad said to me all those years ago in Thailand. And as I was working on the first draft of that book, um, I'd done an awful lot of work around my relationship stuff. I'd got a lot of mentoring, coaching, and I was working on the first draft. And then the, the last chapter of that first draft, it was the love chapter. And I said that I had this feeling that I was about to meet the love of my life. I had, I, I didn't know why I just had this feeling in my gut. And then two days after writing those words, I, words, I actually met him at wilderness festival in Oxfordshire where I was speaking with my friend with addictive daughter. So we were a year after, you know, we fell completely in love. I had, I mean, it was, it was difficult because it's, I think there's this mistaken notion that when you, um, you meet the person that suddenly everything's perfect and you skip off into the sunset. And I'm sure, you know, Amy, that's not necessarily true because whatever kind of relationship is always going to bring your stuff up. I really believe that we are brought the people and the situations in life that will heal and grow us the most. So 
I had a lot of resistance at the beginning because I think I was just not used to not having drama and it being so easy and healthy. And then a year into our relationship, the inner fix came out. And actually, it was interesting. We had um, my friend and I had a lot of TV companies wanting to make a show of the book, a TV show. And then we got this really weird feeling that we were supposed to go our separate ways, which was really hard (laughs) because, you know, we'd worked really, really hard to build this thing, to build Addictive Daughter, but it just felt right. And the minute we made that decision, I, I, it was like I, I sat in meditation one day and I kind of got a bit of a bit of a download, a spiritual download that was like, you need to just focus on helping women in relationships because before we'd kind of help women in all areas of our lives, you know, across the board. And for me, the biggest changes and the biggest growth was relationships. So I then, um, yeah, I, I created a, a coaching program called Get Your Soulmate. I worked with lots of women one-to-one through that program was getting incredible results. And then last year I turned it into a digital program and yeah, it's, it's out at the moment. And, and I just, I honestly, it is the most incredible, incredible fulfilling work. And, and now I'm nearly four years into a relationship with Joe and it, I never thought it would be possible that a relationship could get better every year. And of course it's got many challenges or we've had challenges. Of course we do because that's life and that's relationships, but I really am so proud of what I've achieved and what we've achieved and it's just such an honor to be able to support women who like me once just did not have any belief that they could ever have a happy relationship and yeah just seeing all the women in my program who are now you know with the love of their lives and some of them have been got engaged and had kids it's it's amazing so yeah I feel very very grateful for the work I do. Persia it's so good to hear more about your story because I've heard it before but I haven't heard it in that detail and so many things are speaking to me about that journey that you've gone on and thanks for sharing in all that detail as well because I think you know a lot of people that I meet say oh you hear people on podcasts or in talks and they're like summarizing this really long development journey in in 30 seconds and it doesn't Mm -hmm. ever give it justice and I think you've really kind of gone into all of these pieces of the puzzle that came together Mm. to create what you now have and the business and the relationship and the journey that you've been on. Mm -hmm. I think, I think you're right. I think it's, uh, I I kind of feel that, you know, there's, I can do that story in a very short version, but I always, you know, I get women who often come to me and they say, Oh, it's okay for you because you've got a relationship now. And that's why I wanted to share the whole story because it's like, you see me now, you did not see all the years and years of pain and crap I went through. And then also from the moment deciding to work on myself, it wasn't like I made the decision. And the next day I met Joe, it took me four and a half years from the day I started sort of working on myself and healing all my stuff to the day I met Joe. And that is how long I needed. It really is how long I needed. So I think it's important to just be really honest about the fact that it takes time. It takes time and it's, it's an ongoing process. It, it never finishes. Mm, I totally agree. So we've kind of spoken a bit here about breakups and I really want to dive into this because a lot of the women who seek me out are going through a breakup or they're really struggling to cope a few months down the line after a relationship has ended. Mm -hmm. And I have a lot of compassion for this because my own sort of self-love and confidence journey began in the midst of probably the worst breakup ever. Mm. Um, my confidence was absolutely shattered. I, I, your story really spoke to me because I went on a complete rampage after that. Like it broke me, but also it brought out, it brought to the surface all of my demons. So Mm. if we're looking at breakups 
and we look at the fact that they really they really knock people's confidence why do you think we experience such a rock bottom with our self-worth and our confidence after a relationship ends oh what a good question oh my god this is a question that i i've i've examined and explored a lot and and kind of thought you know what is it about heartbreak and relationships that take us down to rock bottom i think it's because you can in i don't know i was not expecting to say this but in this day and age like there's so much that you can buy or get an app for you know have an app to you know get anything these days you know the world that we live in it's such a sort of quick fix instant culture and the one thing that you cannot throw enough money at you can't do that with love because love is it's it is something that has existed for the you know as long as humans and animals I guess have been around it's such a primal thing to us humans I know with me when I was in relationships, because we are not taught this shit at school, we're not taught how to have boundaries, how to communicate, all of that stuff. What we do is we deal with each other in such unhealthy, codependent, toxic ways. So when that person either dumps you or even if you break up with them, it is literally like losing a limb. It is like losing part of yourself because, you know, one of my favorite quotes in the world is from Carl Hill Gibran. Um, who wrote in The Prophet, he said uh, he said of marriages, but I think it applies to relationships, that to have a healthy marriage or relationship, you should be like the pillars of the temple, not standing too close. You need to be firm and solid in your individual identities. And then you hold up the support that is the structure of the relationship. And that was not me before, because I like, I meshed with every guy I was with. And if I wasn't enmeshed with him I was so fucking terrified of the the commitment that I held him at arm's length and I ran a mile away and so you know the pillar wasn't even in the temple the pillar was god knows where like miles down the road and that's it it's if, if we have not learned how to have a healthy loving relationship with ourselves, which I know that you'll know Amy it takes a lot of work and it is the most scary thing that you do when you're at the beginning of it and you know all we're going to have is really really toxic what i call soul ties with our partners and yeah when that when that crumbles not only do you lose that person you lose your sense of self because yourself has become enmeshed with that other person and the relationship and that's why i i really believe that even though it is when you're in it it is the darkest bloody place ever heartbreak offers the most exquisite opportunity to heal yourself to come back to wholeness that's the only way you will ever 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 have a healthy relationship in the future i completely agree with everything you've said and something as well that i think that it brings up is this abandonment signal mm. that we have kind of deeply wired into us mm. so when we're young, if somebody abandons us, we die. Like if yes. you're a baby, right? So when we put ourselves out there vulnerably and we put ourselves out there to love or to receive love, and then that person essentially abandons us, it sets off that fight or flight, I think. And it can really mm. bring up all of those deeply rooted limiting beliefs of I'm not enough. I'm not worthy of love. Nobody loves me. That's my story. Um, yeah. And yeah. Leading on from this, how do you think confidence affects this situation? So does having low confidence affect our ability to have relationships, to trust in relationships and to attract healthy relationships? Confidence is such an interesting topic for me because, as I said sort of earlier, if you'd known me, you know, God, 15 years ago or however long, even 10 years ago, 
because I would have been in a very destructive place 10 years ago, you would have probably thought I was the most confident person ever because I was loud, I was brash, I was outgoing. I looked like what people think confidence is. But I know that you, Amy, will know, well, you probably would have seen right through it. It was all an act. Because real confidence is actually sometimes like the most confident person in the room is the quietest because they don't need to prove themselves. Mm. Real authentic confidence to me is actually about knowing who you are, about being able to own your choices, own your mistakes, to be completely honest and authentic about who you are, to to be able to share vulnerably with another person instead of just putting on a mask and manipulating them and all of those things that I used to do. So I think that, you know, that whole act, and this is why when I see women, and look, we've all done it, but p- playing hard to get and playing games on text and, and thinking it, it's making them look good somehow and it's making them come across as sort of cool and and confident. I'm like, no, 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 it, it doesn't. Because even if, you know, the man will feel it on an energetic level that this is bullshit because mm. it is bullshit. And even if you do manage to trick him, what sort of basis is that for a great relationship? It's no basis. So you're just going to play games and you're, you're both wasting each other's time. But if you want to play in that, that unhealthy dynamic, because what that does, it's kind of an adrenaline sort of uh, kicker. It's, it's addictive, you know, those sort of mm. games. But the only way you will ever have a, a true, healthy, authentic relationship is to develop that inner confidence within yourself and, and really to understand what confidence is. And it's not about being loud and it's not about pretending to be someone you're not and and going in and being like a really loud person at a party because if that's not you it's bullshit and and actually you know your soulmate or someone you could share an amazing relationship with is not going to be drawn to that version of you because it's not real so I think yeah you've got to you've really got to take ownership of of the relationship with yourself and develop that real authentic genuine confidence and when you do it is fucking magnetic it is magnetic to the right people not everyone, because, you know, of course, we're not going to be attracted or drawn to everyone, whether as friends or, you know, relationships, romantically, whatever. But the right people will be drawn to you. And that is the key, because when I look back at my relationships in the past, I just think, oh, my God, we were so wrong for each other. So mm. wrong for each other. <laughs> yeah, no, I've got such a similar experience as well. And I used to be like the queen of games. So mm-hmm. I considered myself this really honest person if you'd asked me what my values were, but if you looked at what I was actually doing, Mm. and I work a lot with this now, like bridging this gap between our actions and our values. Mm -hmm. And I was the friend that everyone would go to and be like, how how long should I wait to reply to this text? How Mm. should I write it? How many dates should I wait till I fuck him? And I'd be like, six date rule, blah, blah, blah. Mm. And it's all manipulation and it's like we want to be loved for who we really are but Mm -hmm. then we set up relationships from the outset being somebody that we're not and then we wonder why we feel insecure or whether they really love us because we have created a foundation of a relationship based on inauthenticity and wearing a mask that isn't who we are. Perfectly said Amy that was better than I could have said it exactly 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 I mean, um, another question that I knew I had to ask you is when we are insecure or we have low confidence, Mm -hmm. how do we master the line between noticing if we are being insecure and gathering evidence of our insecurity Mm -hmm. or knowing that that person is crossing the line or a boundary? So I think like trust and stalking on social media or checking the phone is kind of a nice place to start because how do we know if we're projecting something onto the situation and seeing things or whether that person is actually breaking our trust or being inappropriate. 
Yeah, well, I would, my initial, my gut reaction was to say that trust your gut. And the problem with that is when you're, when you don't have, you know, a, a practice to be really connected to your intuition and your gut, whether meditation, journaling, all, I mean, it could list all of these different practices, then you're not going to be able to hear your gut. The fear in your mind is going to overwhelm you. And that is going to lead to the show. I, I really believe that, that it's our monkey minds. That's where the insecurity and, and the kind of really limiting beliefs and the negative minds, all of that, that's where it stems from. Whereas our gut is actually quite receptive. Like it, it really does know. It, it, we're, we're animals at the end of the day. So I've always known, like, for example, when I, when I first met Joe, I had a, maybe the first sort of six weeks or so, I had a lot of resistance because I was not used to not having drama and it being so easy. And so my mind was trying to find red flags. It was trying to find a way out. It was trying to find a reason to run away, if I'm honest. Mm, I have my, the same thing. Yeah. And this <laughs> is, this is really common. I see this a lot with my clients who do my program. They then suddenly become really magnetic and they attract usually a load of guys, but you know, a guy they start dating who is a really nice guy and treats them really well. And they freak out and they do the whole, oh, maybe I'm just not that into him. Or, you know, they, they will try and justify it because it's unfamiliar. They are not used to this. So this is what we've got to remember. Like, we are always going to be drawn to what is familiar over what is unfamiliar, which is what I said at the start. So if you are used to being anxious and insecure and feeling shit in relationships, even if you meet a nice guy, you're going to project that stuff onto them, as you said, Amy. Like, you're, that's, what, that's your story. That's what you're used to. What it starts with is developing that connection, a healthy relationship with yourself and a really healthy connection with your intuition because any times that I've felt that like and I don't even just mean in relationships in any area of my life like how do I know if this is uh, my fear and limiting belief or actually this is a sign that maybe I should step away from this dynamic or you know I need to do something or take action it's always like I have to get quiet put my hand on my stomach and just kind of go like ask my higher self ask my gut and it always knows because it's so quiet and it's simple. And, and that's how you know, oh my God, this is what I've been trying to get to. When it is our fear running the show or our insecurity, usually we have this sort of impulsive need to act fast, to run away, to like tell someone, you know, to end something or, you know what I mean? We, we want to act really quickly. But when it's our gut and it's our intuition, whatever it says, it's very calm. It's often quite quiet and it's slow. And there's no sense of rush about it. So I think that that's the key. So if you, for example, you're in a situation where you're dating, you're you know, in a relationship with someone, you're worried they're cheating, but you don't know, is this just me and because I, that's what I've experienced before and I'm projecting that shit? Or is this actually my gut telling me there's something not right? Go and meditate. Go and meditate for a week, every day for 20 minutes or so, if you can. Do some journaling and then ask yourself really calmly and quietly before you go to the other person. Before And whatever you do, do not check their phone. Do not invade their privacy because then you have a whole load of other bloody problems. And then, by the way, you, have not, you don't have a, much of a leg to stand on. If You, know, it, you can't, you can't uh, fight fire with fire. It doesn't work. You have to take your time and slow down and, and approach it in a healthy way. I really think that is so, so important. Mm, I love the way you've described that. I hear that a lot in my online academy. We've got a big thing on intuition and people really struggle to separate that fear mm. from intuition, but the way you've described it and how you can kind of move towards that, I love that. And it mm. makes perfect sense to me. So we've spoken a bit about key destructive behaviors. What are the sort of destructive behaviors and limiting beliefs that you think sabotage relationships? 
I think, well, I think let's start with the behaviours. I think you've said some of them there. It's when we, because we feel insecure, we then project that onto our partner and we either accuse them of stuff, we do what I did, look through their phone, go on their computer, all of those things. So that's a no-go. Obviously, cheating sounds obvious, but it wasn't to me once. Um, Cheating, flirting inappropriately, trying to make your partner jealous. I think women do that quite a bit. Um, Not always trying to make their partner jealous but I know for me and some of my girlfriends in the past we've spoken about being manipulative almost in a really undercover way where we'll yeah. withhold affection when we want yes. them to give us affection yes or you know I was talking to a girlfriend and she was saying that she went to a wedding with this guy and he kind of left her alone and was talking to someone else for quite a long time and so she went really quiet and then stormed off because she wanted him to then validate her and say like nothing's going on I love you blah 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 and mm-hmm. When she was telling me that, I could see a lot of past Amy in that because I would be super, super undercover manipulative to try and get love and affection and words Mm -hmm. of affirmation from my partner. So Mm -hmm. do you think a lot of women are doing that? Oh, my God. Yeah. And you know what? I'll be completely honest. It's something I still really struggle with because I grew up with the women. That was what was shown to me. And I've actually got something interesting to say, passive aggression and the manipulation. Um, To be fair on women, I think that the reason, this is not just like something we do, it is in our blood. And the reason for that is we have only had power and freedom for not very long. And we don't even have it, you know, it's not 50-50 and we know that, but we're we're getting better. But because of that, you know, for, for I did this is going to sound really wanky, but I did my English literature. um, I did English literature at uni and my dissertation. I did it all about um, how women were suppressed in the arts, basically. And that what I learned is, you know, throughout history, women were expected to be silent, chaste and obedient. So the only way that we were able to have any power was by being manipulative through passive aggression, through these very, very subtle but very powerful sort of modes of um, manipulation. And, you know, you look at someone like Anne Boleyn, who, you know, Henry VIII's old wife got so slated sort of in history, and you just think, fucking more power to her, because, you know, what power did women have at that time? And then, of course, what we what the message then was is when a woman does stand out and, and you know, stand her ground and put her boundaries down or do whatever she gets her head chopped off that's the sort of message that I think is actually subconsciously still in women today not that we think I'm going to get my head chopped off but if I say what I want or say what I need or say no or whatever it is then I am going to be rejected I'm going to be abandoned it you know all of that stuff is still with us so I think that we have to when we're talking about this stuff we have to look at the whole context of women throughout history because that's why, you know, I, I really do struggle with the passive aggression thing because I know it works. Do you know mm. what I mean? That's what's so difficult. It bloody works in the short term. But again, if you want to have a conscious, healthy relationship, like my boyfriend, he just doesn't put up with it. He doesn't put up with it. And it's really difficult. But, you know, I, it's, he has it at moments in the past, I think, before he cottoned on. But the longer we've been together and he's like, oh, I see what you're doing. And it's, you know, he's just like, just state what you want and state what you need. And I, you know, and I, that's what I've really worked on. And I'm much, 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 much better at it. But this is the first, like, properly, well, you know, actually the last three relationships, this one included, I've been sort of working on myself. So each relationship got better and I got better at communicating. But it's still relatively new territory. You know, it's, it's not, it's not decades yet. I've been, God, how long have I been? 
I started this whole journey at the beginning of 2011 and it's now two thousand God, eight years, bloody hell. Um, <laughs> so it feels like a long time, but still in the context of my life, I'm 33 now. I had 25 years before that of acting, you know, passive aggressively, manipulatively and all the things that women kind of, um, I think, women more than men, I don't, look, men can be passive aggressive and manipulative, but generally speaking, I think they, they get power in other ways. And yeah, so I think that this is, it's a really hard one, but I think we have to be honest and admit when we're doing it. And now that's what I do. And if I act like that with Joe, I don't do it as much, but when I do, I am much faster to own it and say, I'm really sorry old habits die hard and we make a bit of a joke of it you know because what that does is it it dispels the power it dissolves the power and of that sort of passive aggression it takes it away and and then we're able to communicate healthily and and it's it that's what creates intimacy being vulnerable enough to just own it when you were a dick Mm, yeah totally I love that so hard to do um if you've never done it before but my my husband's been the most amazing lesson for me you know Mm -hmm. because I've had to own so much bs since Mm -hmm. meeting him and I did so much emotional healing that he was kind of around for so he knows every single little thing that I slip into Mm -hmm. Um, he knows my limiting beliefs and he'll Mm -hmm. call me on it you know Mm -hmm. and in a gentle way Mm -hmm. but when you share it with your partner as well or you share it with someone that you trust Mm -hmm. it allows you to kind of like you said dispel that power but dispel the shame that you hold around these behaviors because a lot of these manipulations and unhealthy behaviors have this deeply rooted shame inside of them Mm. you know and I see a big link between this and childhood behaviors and how we related to our parents or Mm -hmm. you know they say daddy issues you can have an amazing dad and still have daddy issues. oh god yeah of course yeah always we're always like I mean that's such that's the you know the first module I do with my clients is all around our our relationship with our parents because that it doesn't matter if they had a healthy or, or non-healthy relationship. Every relationship is going to have stuff. And as a child, you're going to pick it up. And the fact is that our template for relationships are what we saw from our parents. And of course, even though, yes, I was so fortunate that when I was 16, I then got a different model because my parents were sober, became sober and, and created a healthy relationship. I still had it in my body those first 16 years of where it was volatile, it was scary. And to me, relationships just meant drama and it felt very, very scary and unsafe. And so that's really important to, like you said, realize that we've picked up a lot of this stuff from childhood and from from that parent-child dynamic. And and the only way through is to heal. I mean, I don't really know any... any mode of sort of self-development, like really good self-development that doesn't at some point call us to examine and look at our childhood and the stuff that was going on. And look, my story might be extreme to some people and not extreme at all to other people. You know, I've coached many women who've had what they would say, oh, I had a healthy childhood. There was stuff that wasn't great. It might not have been awful generally, but there was some stuff that that was causing them to behave in unhealthy ways in their romantic relationships that they didn't even realize until we really examined it closely. So I think that it's a really good thing you brought up there. And I think it's so important. Mm, Yeah, you know, and a lot of these things we don't remember as well. I think, you know, my core wound around not being loved stems from when I'm about four years old. And I don't actually remember the full memory of it, but I've Mm -hmm. just been able to trace it back. 
And around three or four, that's when our sense of self is developing. So sometimes Mm -hmm. we don't remember. It can just be a comment that's made to us or witnessing somebody yelling or argument between parents. And Mm -hmm. we create these decisions about how the world works and how Mm -hmm. it doesn't work and how we relate to it. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that can just be a fear of confrontation if you see people arguing, which means that you feel unable to put in what would be a healthy boundary for someone else will feel like a confrontation for you or what will feel like really, really uh, nerve wracking and confrontational will be simply just saying like, this is what I expect, or this is, you know, what's going to honor my worth. So it's, it's sitting in our blind spots a lot of the time, I think. So it's amazing that you do the work that you do Persia, because I think, you know, you need support to find these things out about yourself. I think so. And it's interesting, actually, you say that because whenever these days I get asked what I do, I'm a love coach. People, a lot of people go, what's that? And I think that kind of is what it says on the tin. It's pretty obvious. <laughs> Same um, with me. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, 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 you know, what are you not getting? The thing is, it actually boggles my mind that there are not more love coaches or there's not more, or at least we're not bloody taught how to have healthy relationships from a young age. Why it's not in the school curriculum. That's one thing, you know, in a decade, I want to be able to get this stuff into schools because I think it's so important not just for our romantic lives but for every relationship because the the skills that I teach in my program they benefit your friendships though your relationships with your family your career because you you have colleagues you know how to bloody deal with humans how to deal and handle and communicate with humans in a healthy way it sounds really obvious but we are not taught this stuff and it, it's just so important because we know Enough research has been done that our the area of life that we feel most joy and happiness from is our relationships. So why the hell is there not more out there? And I even in the wellness world, you know, it's interesting. I get a lot of people who have been in the wellness world for a very very long time, but this is an area. So they're in, or like on the outside, every area of their life is like really healthy, but their relationships are chaos because there's not look. There are books out there, but I kind of I think books are great and I think they're really important, but I think that it's not the same as coaching. And I know that you'll kind of get the the power of coaching because you're held accountable. And also, like you said, I think we can feel so much shame. I think that's why people are really scared to talk about the shit in their relationships, because there's a lot of shame about it, even though we're all going through the same thing. We're Mm. all going through the same thing. So I think it's such an important conversation for us to be having. Yeah, definitely. You know, and with books, it's it's like going to the gym once, you know, it can be a good yeah. temporary burst of inspiration. But there's a lot of women who are on that self-help wagon where they're just attending a seminar and reading the next book, you know, and they're not taking that action. Yeah. And you've got to take a new action to create a new result. And yes, your love life, whether that's your love life or your diet or you know what you want to do with your career it's all the same it's like you need that support to take that action to create a new result yes I absolutely agree yeah absolutely agree yeah something I um wanted to ask you as well is do you use the love languages in the work that you do I do. It's not part of, I mean, it's not part of the core curriculum, but it's something that I run uh, live coaching sessions in the program. And that's always a topic that we cover because it's such a useful one. I think, I think it's more a useful, it's useful to know, but it's particularly useful when you're actually in a relationship because it saves so much stress and it saves so many arguments. And it's interesting. So for me, 
my relationship with Joe is really, uh, it's really easy in sense of that I never ever feel unloved by him because we have the same love languages. But in my previous relationship, we had totally different love languages. And that made it trickier because it meant we had to put more effort in. We were both expressing and wanting to receive love in different ways. For example, my ex-boyfriend was really, really into acts of service. Obviously, I, I value them to a degree, but it's not the same for me as, as kind of physical touch and quality time, which are what mine are. So I had to really put a lot more effort. Actually, my relationship with Joe, it just feels easy. It doesn't feel like I have to put effort in. The effort comes from mainly like not nagging him. <laughs> <laughs> because that that if there's one thing that I struggle with in my relationship it would definitely be the nagging and the passive aggressive stuff but generally it's you know I always feel love because we're so cuddly and you know whatever but I wasn't like that with my other relationship and and so I've, I've coached people in relationships and that's that's a, one of the first areas that we look at and in case anyone doesn't know them the idea of the five love languages is the, these are way that we give and receive love and we tend to have two dominant ones obviously we can dip into all of them so they are gifts physical touch quality time acts of service and words of affirmation which I think are probably all quite um, explanatory but if you ask yourself what you are and then you find out what your partners are then you can then if you have the same it'll be easy like with Joe and I if you don't have the same then you need to practice loving them in a way that makes sense to them I made my now husband do the love languages quiz online when we'd known each other for about three weeks. Amazing. I, um, when I met him, I just, I had no intention of finding a boyfriend. Like mm -hmm. I just moved to London. I'd ended a really amazing relationship to move here. So I was very much in that mindset of like, I'm not looking for any attachments right now. I was yeah. reinventing myself in a new city, but I met him and it was so easy. And I was mm -hmm. just like, fuck it. I'm going to ask him to do this test because, you know, <laughs> I don't really care what he thinks. I don't th care if he thinks I'm an idiot or like a stage five clinger because I'm not. Um, <laughs> and um, it was, it was really profound actually, because we have different love languages, but mm -hmm. I've never felt unloved by him. And that's because we knew our love languages from day from job. the get-go that's yeah that is so good isn't it that's interesting that's interesting I think you're right because then if you know from the get-go that's before you've like fully fully got to know each other so you don't have all the sort of baggage and then and I guess resentments that can yeah. then pop up no reprogramming needed to be done so exactly because you know what you're getting he knew I needed compliments every day and quality time and I knew that he needed uh, acts of service so to this day I do all his laundry and often pack his lunch <laughs> oh, oh. means kind of, nothing to me but means everything to, everything to him yeah well it's annoying because I've ended up because I'm uh, often I'm working from home I'm doing Joe's laundry but I don't think he appreciates it at all <laughs> because he doesn't for him and it's not it's not him being an asshole it's he won't even really notice and I, I, I do get that. I do kind of get that um, because I guess that's how I am as well. But I'm just like, well, you know, I'm fucking washing my stuff. I might as well wash yours. But I think that's really interesting that you did it from the get-go. I think people who are listening, that's a really good tip. Definitely find out yours, whatever your situation is. And if it feels right, like obviously, Amy, you felt comfortable to do that. And I think it's great. I think the thing is, you were just in a place, obviously, where you're like, I know who I am and I'm committed to myself. And I actually am not like desperate to have a relationship. And that's what's so powerful. I think that, you know, that's that's the ideal way I tell my clients to get to. But you can't force it, you know. You know, it's that thing where 
you're pretending, you know, like, oh, they'll turn up when you're not looking for them. So you're like, I'm not looking, I'm not looking, but (laughs) you're looking around. But it's always true. It's when you're just actually like focused on living your life and enjoying your life and creating an amazing life, then you are really, truly magnetic. Yeah, because you're not looking in an attached way, you know, and you're not clinging, you're not seeking or trying to fit a square peg into a round hole because you have this need to have someone in your life because you think I'm deficient if I'm alone. I was still working on myself for sure. And I did still have that thing that came up where I was, he was so nice that I was like, something's got to give, like when yeah. is the other shoe going to drop? Yeah. Um, but also because I just wasn't really keen on having a boyfriend, I was just being myself. I just kind of had this like YOLO attitude at the time where I yeah. was like, you know, we'll see where this goes, but um, who knows? And my life was a, was very much like that at the time. Like who knows what's going to happen? I'd moved to London and I just lost a job that I came for. So I was like, what am I going to do with my life? So I was very much in that space of like, let's see what happens, which I think was probably testament to the fact that I'd been really get, I'd really been getting comfortable with being in a place of uncertainty and fear at that point in my life. And I I saw that as a really positive thing at the time. So your results can really change when your mindset changes. Yes. I love what you said there, being, being comfortable with fear and uncertainty, because the fact is they don't have to be the enemy. I, I think it was Elizabeth Gilbert who said something really great. She said, um, she says it's so much better than what I'm about to completely ruin this, but something <laughs> along the lines of, she's like, okay, so you imagine you've got a car, you know, fear can be there because fear's going to be there sometimes, but put fear in the back seat. Don't have fear driving the car. And I really get that. It's like, you know, just, just acknowledge it. You know, I still feel afraid about loads of stuff. Actually, at the moment, I'm feeling alarmingly calm about commitment and the future. My boyfriend and I have been talking a lot about marriage, which, you know, before pretty much brought me out in hives. And we were in Costa Rica traveling earlier this year. And I think it's something really shifted for me while we were there. I mean, even though I've known for a long time, this is the person I want to marry, but that still held a lot of fear for me. But there's many other things at the moment that I'm afraid of. and I you know, I just acknowledge the fear. I think we, so so much of the time we try and run away from it and you can't. I think it's Mel Wells. She said something I really love about walking into the direction of your fear. And really it's just making peace with it. And, you know, this is uh, to, to make it relevant to our romantic lives. This is something I see with clients who start, you know, wanting to go dating, you know, they want to date, but they're terrified of going back out there, especially if they've had their heart broken or, you know, starting to date someone and liking them and being scared of being rejected or, messed about you don't want to act from that place of fear because that's when we go into the crazies and we do stupid shit like checking their phone or picking fights with them so it's just acknowledging it and even you know when I met Joe I said early on like god I'm feeling scared and he loved it because I wasn't doing weird crazy shit I just was honest with him and I was vulnerable with him Mm, yeah you know and it it lets them kind of step into their masculine in a way you know and be like I'm here for you not to be patronizing and say you know a man's got to save you but there is that ebb and flow of feminine masculine in a relationship and when you're vulnerable and you can be this fallible vulnerable imperfect woman you let your man or your partner step in and be that man for you and hold that space for you absolutely absolutely we all think we're just going to be massively judged or rejected or abandoned but I always say you know that vulnerability is the door that you have to walk through if you want that crazy sexy amazing connection with your partner 
oh my god yes you know I've got um a free three-part video training series at the moment and the first video it talks a lot about that about vulnerability and actually how sexy it is and how you know it's the one thing that we we are trying because again we live in quite a superficial world so we are we are dealing with everything at a really superficial sort of surface level because we're scared to show our truth and we're trying to paint ourselves as I said earlier as like being cool and detached and nothing phases me and it's fine and actually there's no intimacy there there's no connection and it's when you you are brave enough to to let your guard down just to be vulnerable but not you know not, I'm not and, and look this is it's an art because I I went to the other extreme back in the day where I then was like a mad oversharer mm. and actually that was also quite manipulative and it wasn't healthy because just emotionally spewing everything out is not to, to really own sort of your maturity as a woman, your sort of goddess energy, as it were, with your girlish, fun, playful energy is a skill and it takes practice. And that that is what is irresistible. That is really, really irresistible. Um, and, and, and the more I have kind of explored the, both of those parts of me and remembered that when I'm, if I'm having an argument, I don't want my girlish side to be running the show, my girl to be running the show because she is going to throw her toys out the pram. She's going to be terrified of abandonment and rejection, all of that stuff. So that's not the time to, to have her running the show. She can come out and play when it's, you know, I'm out in the park with my boyfriend or it's we're at a festival or whatever it is where, you know, it's I'm in a joyful, happy place. But when there's, you know, adult conversations or serious things, I need to step into my woman, into my calm, collected, mature, graceful, sophisticated, kind you know, all of those things. And, and, and really exploring those two energies has been so, so powerful for my relationship. Mm, yeah, I love that. I often talk about that queen energy as well with my clients of mm-hmm. letting people give to you without having to always, always give back. Like, yes, yes, a relationship should definitely be give and take, but we don't have to always be pleasing our partner in response to them giving to us because that comes from this place of like I'm not worthy so therefore I have to throw that ball back to you and I think it's important to recognize that we are worthy of receiving love and we are worthy of being worshipped and given to and standing in that power and owning that and letting letting our partners be there for us as our imperfect selves not as our perfect masked selves absolutely Absolutely. And yeah, as I said, it's it's an art form. It is a skill. It is an ongoing process. You are never done with it, but you get better and better. You do get better and better, which I'm sure you've seen in your own relationship. I think it's just, God, it, it's actually such a wonderful journey. I never, I was always so like loved the falling in love part. And I just, I could never get my head around how a long-term relationship could be fun and exciting, but actually it is. It is if you are committed to growth, which I think is key. If you're committed to growth as an individual and ideally as, as a couple, as you, in fact, you kind of have to be, that might manifest in it. And in fact, this is an interesting topic. I get a lot of women saying, you know, I, I do my meditation, I'm on this spiritual journey, but the guy I'm dating or my partner isn't really interested in that. And um, and so, you know, maybe maybe it's not right. And actually, maybe it's not right, but it's not necessarily not right because of that. Um, because I know couples who are both, you know, meditating and do all, all these things together and they're terrible for each other just because, you know, I think that we can express ourselves in different way and we can have a relationship and grow in different ways. My partner, Joe, I mean, he does enjoy meditation. Like when we're, we're traveling, he's a total hippie, but he's not someone who gets up and does it every day. 
but he is also the kindest, most patient, most loving, most respectful, generous person I've ever met. All the things that I have to spend so fucking long every day <laughs> trying to be because that they don't necessarily come to me. I have other, you know, good qualities, but those things haven't necessarily come to, don't always come to me by nature. And so I think this is just a bit of a side note, but I think it's just, you know, look at the actions of the other person and look how you feel in their presence. It really is the most important thing as opposed to what you think they should be doing. Like, how are they showing up? Not are they meditating and journaling every day because not all men and not all women are going to be doing that, but they might do other things that for them are what help them to grow and help them to, you know, be inspired and motivated. So it's just remembering that there are thousands and thousands of different tools out there for self-development and you know we have to be open-minded and I think that that's something important in the wellness industry to remember that just because someone doesn't wear lululemons and go spinning and do yoga five times a week it doesn't mean that they're not a spiritual person. I'm so glad you brought that up because that's something I get asked about so often and particularly my clients as they start to step into this space of personal development and they're becoming more self-aware and they're getting into new things and maybe crystals and Mm -hmm. angel cards and all all that jazz Mm -hmm. and they suddenly think, well, is my partner right for me? You know, he's not into any of this stuff and I feel like we're drifting apart and that scares them. It scares them because they don't want to keep developing and potentially drift from that person but what I always say is look at that person's values and how you feel around them yes and does that still match up with the person that you're becoming and sometimes it's just about learning to accept that person for how they are and how Mm -hmm. they're not Mm -hmm. as we want to be accepted for how we're growing and what we're Mm -hmm. moving into but then you know sometimes there comes a time and a place where maybe you want to reevaluate but I think sometimes when we start getting into personal development, it can be easy to fall into that like judgy uh, place. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, which is, you know, the opposite of what it's supposed to be about. And I, that's really important to remember, I think. And also, like I said before, like a healthy relationship, you should have your own hobbies and things going on. That's really important. Joe does stuff that I don't do. I do stuff that he doesn't do. We also do stuff together that we love to do. That's what a healthy relationship is. So you might be loving your crystals and your angel card and your partner might not be. That doesn't mean you should break up. But if you, you know, if you don't have anything to talk about, if you don't have fun together anymore, all of those things, those are the things that you should be looking at. And again, that doesn't necessarily mean you have to break up as long. It just means that both of you need to decide, right, what can we, what action can we take to improve this and to grow? The problem comes if one of you wants to move forward and the other doesn't, the other one's just like, no, I can't be asked. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to grow. I don't want to explore or whatever. That's when a relationship can't work, but be open about how that, that process looks. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I've been in both camps before, so, Mm -hmm. um, the more self-awareness you create around yourself as well, the more um, aware you're going to be about that situation and whether it's a mindset shift or a physical relationship shift. So that makes total sense. So for someone who's listening, who is feeling really low in confidence about their love life and they want to call in their soulmate, because I mean, of course, everybody does. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us more about your amazing course? Because I've seen the testimonials and the work that you do and it looks freaking amazing. So tell us all about it. Thank you. Thanks, Amy. Yeah, I am honestly, 
it is I am so proud of it it's like a child of mine like I think the results really speak for themselves we've had so many people uh, so many of the women have met their partners are in amazing relationships and for me actually the other results that I think are equally important but sometimes not as sexy or not as you know they don't get the necessarily get the same attention but they are so important are the women who like me have been you know constantly in relationships or dating never ever ever on their own and they did the program and realized you know what I want to spend six months not even thinking about dating just dating myself and working on my relationship with myself that is fucking incredible because that takes real guts and courage um what it is the program is an eight week seven module uh, digital program um we have an extra week in there because there's quite a lot of work and it's like an integration week in the middle and it takes them through a step-by-step step process to heal their love life so that they can then attract a healthy, soulful, lasting relationship. And it is honestly incredible. There's so many incredible bonuses. The live version, which we're, um, we've got enrollment open for at the moment, is incredible because every week they do the module and I do a live accountability coaching session where I, I do a lot of teaching around the subject each module has its own videos and worksheets and, med- and there's meditations with every module as well. But I do sort of live teaching, which is for me what is most exciting. Um, I used to be an actress. So, you know, I, I, I love kind of the, the live aspect of it. It gives me a real buzz. And we spend a lot of time answering the questions that they have coming up from the work. We do a lot. Um, we've got the most amazing community and Facebook group and do a lot of um, meetups with each other. I actually, what was amazing in um in February, we held a sober dating event and we had amazing guys. We had, I think it was five amazing guys and five amazing girls. And we did the sober dating event, which obviously was out of people's comfort zones being in London where everyone just likes to hide behind the booze, particularly on <laughs> dating because, you know, first dates are bloody awkward. Um, they don't have to be, but I think that's definitely the perceived idea, isn't it? That, oh God, first date, let's just like get really drunk and, you know, lower in ambitions. But that was just an amazing experience. Um, for me, as much as them, just to, you know, see everyone stepping out their comfort zone and have genuine, authentic conversations without without having booze there. And look, I'm not anti-booze at all. Like, I drink myself. But I always do suggest it's a good thing in the early dates to try, you know, not having a drink and see if you actually get on and if conversation flows. Because if it doesn't, it's kind of probably a bit of a waste of time. I know that I used, sorry, I've gone off on a bit off-piece here, but you know, it's just, a, it's a useful tool to remember that if you can really click with someone and have great conversations sober, then that's, that's a good place to start. So anyway, yes, this, my program, Get Your Soulmate, it just is fucking incredible. And honestly, I haven't seen anything out there like it. It is so, so, so in depth. Like there is not one stone left unturned. We look at every single thing. I think one of the reasons I created it, it was I was getting so many messages from women saying, you know, I understand how, you know, you can work hard on yourself and your mindset for business or for money or for your weight and health and stuff. But when it comes to relationships, like it's kind of 50-50 because it's the other person as well. But what what people don't realize is that we are, are attracting in those relationships. So people want to know why they keep being ghosted. It's be- usually because when we get to under the sort of crux of it, you're actually got commitment issues yourself like you're afraid of commitment so you keep attracting people who will enable you to stay away from commitment even though you think you want it like there's so much more going on subconsciously 
than we mm. even realize. And, and that's really what the program does. It really goes into depth and looks at all of the subconscious behaviors and limiting beliefs and all of that. And then it kind of rebuilds all the neural pathways. It's, it's just amazing. And I'm, I'm so proud of it. And I'm so excited that we're doing our next live round. If I wasn't married, I'd be doing it. You've just sold it to me. <laughs> I mean, it's so true, isn't it? So like every single thing that exists in this world has come from a thought, whether it's the table that you're at, the food you're eating, you know, everything comes from thought. And, you know, our thoughts are dictated by our beliefs. So if we have subconscious belief that we're not worthy or that it's really hard to find someone to love you, blah, 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 or your beliefs around being cheated on, that is what you will attract. The same way that if you walk in a room and someone makes you feel really nervous, you're absorbing their energy, right? So if you have all of these insecurities and self-doubts and beliefs, that will manifest in your love life, whether you are intentionally trying to put that out there or not. So, you know, this course sounds absolutely amazing because you're working on that deeper level so that that outer level can shift. But absolutely. I think we usually try to go the other way around, like I'll fix my body or I'll uh, fix my Tinder account or I'll do this on the outside level so that I feel better on the inside, but it is inside out. You know what's so interesting, Amy, is the last module is all about getting clear on it. We create a dating plan, getting clear on how communi- to communicate with dates and, you know, all of that, the commitment talk, all of that. But that's what I realized that that's where everyone's is trying to start and then wondering why it's not working because there's six whole modules before that of where you do the inner work because the, again the whole premise is the message of the inner fix focus on the insides and the outsides as in the relationship will take care of itself often I, I really think that people some people buy the program because they they want what's in module seven they're like I want that bit but they're not ready for that bit yet you know that's that is the cherry on top that actually being ready to meet someone dating and moving into a relationship, there's so much to do beforehand. And interestingly, you know, whilst I, I created this primarily for single women, that we have quite a lot of people who are in the program who are either married or in relationships who who wanted to work on themselves. Some of them weren't sure if it was the right relationship. Some of them were like, I'm, I'm kind of happily married, but I kind of think it could be better. And, and because the program, the whole premise of it is working primarily on your relationship with yourself when once you've improved that then by proxy your marriage or your relationship is either going to get better or if it's not the right relationship then slowly like you will gently be taken away and I know that sounds really scary anyone who's listening but ultimately if you're not in the right relationship and you deep down know it because we always deep down know it wouldn't you rather know sooner than later? It's like the ripping the plaster off and, and you know, give yourself a chance because you de- you deserve to have an amazing relationship, not a perfect one, but an amazing one, which inspires you and makes you feel so excited. And you share a lot in common and you have your own, you know, own hobbies and interests. And you just feel like this person is a really great addition to your life, but they're not, you don't need them. It's not like your life is going to fall apart without them. And that's honestly how I feel about Joe and, and our relationship. And I just feel it would be criminal of me to not share that with the world because if I can bloody well get it, seriously, <laughs> if, you, if you're committed to the process, like it, it, it's worked miracles. Like if you read the, the testimonials on getyoursoulmate.com, women who literally this time last year were in such a bad place in their love life and now they have, you know, they met the love of their life and they could not be happier. It's amazing. I think the work you do is amazing and you're amazing. And 
I'd love for you to share where our listeners can find out more about you and the Get Your Soulmate course. Sure. So my website, persialawson.com, has um, just kind of everything on it. Um, I'm Persia Lawson on all social media, very active on Instagram. I do a lot of free Instagram sort of lives and videos. I think humor is important. I like to have a laugh with it. Otherwise, it all gets a bit too much. But at the moment, uh, we've got Get Your Soulmate. You can go to getyoursoulmate.com to read more about the program, read the testimonials, and just have a look and see if it's a fit for you. Even if you don't, don't join us for this round. Just have a look. Just because if nothing else, reading what those, those women's stories will make you realize what is possible for you, even if you're not quite ready right now. And I think that that is you know, that's a really important thing to help getting over our limiting beliefs, to see people who have been in a bad place and who've taken action and committed to themselves and then got amazing results. I think that's been a really useful thing for me anyway. Absolutely. Thank you so, so much, Persia. It's been amazing talking to you and thank you so much for sharing all of your beautiful wisdom. I know it's going to be so powerful for everyone listening. My pleasure. I've really, really loved this conversation. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope this episode ignited you, expanded you, and enriched your heart, your mind, your life in some way. If it did, reach out on Instagram. My handle is this is Amy Rushworth, or you can head over to my website for all my courses, retreats, and magical offerings at amyrushworth.com. If the show feels like a vibe for you, make sure you subscribe. And if you have 60 seconds to rate and review, or even to just share the show with a friend, I would be so, so, so grateful and it helps more amazing, beautiful people like you to discover this show and to improve their lives for the better. Stay tuned for the next episode and until then, I'm sending you strength, grace, ferocious courage and a friendly reminder to always love yourself fiercely and to go out there and live your most unapologetic life.